quite often in my career of answering your garden questions, especially when you have tree questions, my answer is usually that's going to take an on-site evaluation. You need to call in a professional. And a lot of people will call in someone. It's usually an arborist. And I try to steer people towards consulting arborists. Now, what exactly is a consulting arborist? Do they have chainsaws in the back of their pickup truck? Oh, maybe. Let's find out. We're talking with Michael Santos. He works in the Bay Area where he is a consulting arborist. He's a consulting arborist, horticulturist, and palm specialist, providing a variety of services for trees, specimen palms, and landscape issues, including problem diagnosis, health and structure evaluations, landscape assessments. Michael Santos is a consulting arborist. He's part of a group called the American Society of Consulting Arborists. And Michael, what exactly is a consulting arborist? Well, Fred, uh, thank you for having me uh, today. Uh, Well, in terms of consulting arborists, we think of ourselves as uh, professional arborists um, who are authorities on trees, palms, and, and woody plants. We tend to have Uh, extensive knowledge and experience uh, on both things that affect tree health, their cultural requirements, disease and pests, decay evaluation, safety, and tree preservation issues. So we cover a wide range of uh, issues. A lot of times people have problems with their neighbor's trees, maybe because they're in poor shape or there's a lot of litter or the roots are invasive. And a lot of times the person isn't, uh, doesn't, I should say, doesn't want to talk to their neighbor and they bring in somebody when actually a lot of these problems could very easily be solved by having a civil conversation with your neighbor about the uh, problematic tree. How does that work in the world of being a consulting arborist? Why would you want to put yourself in the middle of a dispute? You know, oftentimes what what our clients find when there is a problem tree that they may find that, you know, with a report from a consulting arborist, they may find that that third party neutral report will provide um, enough background and enough information to begin a dialogue and get that dialogue going with uh, with the other party in hopes of actually getting to solving the problem, whether it, it involves a tree removal or it involves pruning and ongoing maintenance uh, or a pest control issue. So sometimes that neutral party can, in fact, bring those two parties together. And when a consulting arborist looks at a tree, what do you look at? You know, it really depends on what the assignment is. But I would say, um, in general, if we are, you know, looking at trees, a, a, uh, one of our more, more typical evaluations would be to look at the tree in terms of health and structure and to provide uh, tailored management recommendations on how to maintain the tree or to mitigate um, an issue if the tree is excessively heavy and it needs to have particular pruning specifications written, a consulting arborist would do that. If there is a need to do further evaluation on the tree, as an example, to do decay detection and try to determine how much sound wood there is in a tree versus healthy wood to make sure that it has structural uh, integrity to be able to to survive in the current environment, a consulting arborist uh, may do that as well. Indeed. When uh, when you go out to look at a tree, you're looking up into the canopy, you're staring straight at the trunk, and I imagine you're looking down at, at the root area as well. Um, absolutely. Uh, one of the other evaluations that a consulting arborist may recommend is if there's any indication of 
the, the K fungi, whether it be fruiting bodies like mushrooms from oak root fungus or a wood rotting uh, decay fungus that's producing a fruiting body attached to the lower trunk or, uh, or the roots. So sometimes soil needs to be removed. So the integrity of the large buttress or structural roots providing the physical support for the tree can really be assessed. What are some of the most common mistakes or problems that you see? I think in general, I'd say probably one of the most common mistakes with trees generally is when the client has hired a tree company or a variety of tree companies in the past, and they have pruned the tree excessively and improperly to a point where they have altered or adversely affected the structure of the tree. Because at that point, sometimes it can be very difficult or a very long-term process to try to, you know, methodically and over time restore the tree's structure. So as an example, there is one style of pruning that was that was popular uh, many, many years ago, and it's still done today, but um, it should not be done, which is called lion's tailing, where the tree's internal branches and growth is removed so that it's stripped out, and that exposes the tree structure, which a lot of people find aesthetically pleasing, but what it does is it concentrates the weight on the end of the branches where the trees are less prepared to support that weight. So that does a disservice for the tree and can increase the um, or elevate the risk of you know a branch failure when the weight is concentrated um, at the end of the tree. So I'd say that's probably, in a general sense, one of the most common problems we see is improper or excessive pruning. Yeah, and that pruning style that you are mentioning sounds like it would be a for a homeowner, what they would want to do if they wanted to put a nightlight on the tree, if they wanted to light up their landscape in the evening, it is certainly much more dramatic when you have that sparse canopy where it looks like a martini glass, if you will, with the branches going out and nothing on the interior. That would be very dramatic, but it also shortens the life of the tree. Um, that's correct, because all of those, um, you know, excessive pruning cuts can, um, which create wounds. Anytime we do pruning, it creates a, a wound on the on the tree. And those pruning cuts can end up being what we would call an entry point or entry court for uh, certain diseases and insects to um, to get in the tree. Or in the case of a smooth bark tree like, say, a southern magnolia, as an example, or a birch that has a smoother, thinner bark, you can open it up to, you know, abiotic disorder, which we would call sunburn or sunscald, to where the the tissue becomes overheated and the cambium layer gets uh, gets killed and the tissue erupts and then can lead to declining health on that, uh, on that branch. Does that manifest itself mostly as vertical cracks in the trunk? Not so much on the trunk, where we tend to see the sunburn issues mostly are on the upper side of the of the branch of, you know, facing the sun, especially on the south or a southwestern to western exposure, where um, where the tree previously had a full dense crown and now it's been over thinned or lion's tailed. And then all of a sudden, the, um, the whole environment for that tree has changed in terms of the sun relationship. And that's where we see the, uh, the sunburn, I would say, the most. 
Um, that said, you certainly can get sunburn on the lower trunk, especially on uh, younger trees before the bark has thickened and become, you know, roughened and, and just a thicker layer of bark. And also you can see it on certain smooth bark, uh, palm, palm specimens, um, if the crown is excessively pruned or maybe there's a reflection from uh, mirrored glass. Mm, okay. And again, it, it, would it uh, show up as vertical cracks? It can eventually show up um, as a vertical crack. The first, um, the, one of the first symptoms you'll begin to see is basically a checking um, of, the, of the bark where it will start to check in an irregular uh, way and the cracks will become uh, horizontal and vertical cracks will begin to become uh, much more noticeable, and then the tissue will begin to to shrink, almost like a canker, where it will be a little sunken. And then at that point, you may begin to see vertical cracks, you know, in the lower trunk as the as the wood behind the cambium begins to dry out and become exposed. As I'm sure you're very aware, uh, most people when they're shopping for tree services, they will go with the low bid, and sometimes that low bid is put in by a person who doesn't have any arboreal credentials to speak of, let alone insurance. It truly is a guy with a pickup with a pickup truck and a chainsaw in the back and uh, can cause more problems for many reasons, not only the health of the tree, but if something happens to him, if something happens to a branch falling into a neighbor's yard and, and breaks something or on a house or on a car, that liability would rest with the homeowner, wouldn't it? Uh, typically, it would, although my you know, disclaimer is I'm certainly not uh, an attorney, but as a tree owner, uh, there certainly are responsibilities that go along with, um, you know, the maintenance of the trees that are on your property. It's important to get your trees looked at every few years to make sure they are in a good state of health. Does a consulting arborist work with other arborists, I think a lot of people may have that fear that if they hire a consulting arborist, they're going to try to sell the homeowner a, a bill of goods that would include uh, the guys with the chainsaws and the chipper shredder to come out and uh, make some real money. Well, um, there, there are occasions where sometimes uh, a consulting arborist may have a, a tree care firm who is actually their client where they want to have that that third-party independent report to show their client perhaps a more in-depth evaluation than the company, the tree care company can provide um, itself and to help perhaps help motivate them to have certain uh, certain treatments applied to the tree for the benefit of the tree, whether that happens to be things like pruning or um, support systems like cabling or, or bracing or propping or fertilization or a decay evaluation. So sometimes we actually do work for um, uh, tree care firms um, as a consultant. And some good tree care firms also have consulting arborists on staff. That is true. Many, many uh, tree care companies, um, especially uh, some of the larger firms, but smaller independent firms as well, you know, also offer uh, consulting services and uh, can do a very good job, you know, for their clients. So a consulting arborist can be strictly independent and not have a tree care firm uh, attached to their their company and other consulting arborists may in fact work for a tree care company. 
And I would think, too, that with a consulting arborist, uh, the warning, make sure they are licensed, bonded, and insured would hold true with consulting arborists as well as with the other arborists. Um, absolutely. Most, you know, tree care companies, you know, that are fully, should be fully licensed uh, and insured because of the, the nature of the work they do is, um, is dangerous work. It can be uh, dangerous because of tree size or tree location, location to utility lines or over structures, a home or an arbor or building. And so most, certainly all of the good tree care companies are, are very well and, and properly insured. And likewise, consulting arborists would, would typically have um, insurance that would involve uh, professional liability. And another part of the policy would be uh, uh, an errors and omission insurance, which uh, would be typical of what you would expect with both consulting arborists or an engineer or a landscape architect or other design professionals. Well, right now, I would imagine there are many listeners saying, well, where do I find a consulting arborist? Well, you know, I'm looking at a tab on a website that says find a consulting arborist, and it's at the website of the American Society of Consulting Arborists. Now, in fairness, there is a find an arborist uh, tab also at their International Society of Arboriculture, but that includes a wide variety of different uh, types of arborists, whereas at the ASCA, the American Society of Consulting Arborists, that find a consulting arborist tab is true to its name. Everybody on there is a consulting arborist. And all you have to do is uh, enter in uh, basically your zip code and and the, and the services uh, that you want provided. And there's a, a laundry list of uh, services listed there that uh, you may want to take advantage of. That's correct, Fred. The American Society of Consulting Arborists, or as we often say, ASCA, um, does have that tab and that search feature. And, um, you know, whether it's a uh, individual property owner um, or a commercial business or a municipality, they can search uh, very conveniently by name or city and state or zip code, uh, not only uh, throughout California, but throughout the um, throughout the United States. And they can also uh, there's a feature there to uh, narrow your search in terms of miles from your individual location. So if there are um, uh, um, ASCA members or registered consulting arborists who have that designation um, within ASCA in their area, uh, those should all show up in the search. Um, ASCA isn't a, um, uh, it's a significant organization, but it's not a huge organization. There are only a little over 600 members um, of ASCA um, scattered across the U.S., and there are um, currently 135 that are registered consulting arborists that are actually based in the state of California. We have said many times uh, during our chat about the importance of getting your trees looked at on a regular basis every, every few years. As a homeowner, when you're looking at a tree, what should they be looking at for possible red flags? I'm glad you, you circled back to, to this question, Fred, because I wanted to say that um, I think uh, consulting arborists can provide the best value, actually, in many cases for, for a homeowner when they actually call us before they need us. That is, they think their tree is fine, or maybe they've just acquired the property and these trees are, 
are new to them, they have no history with them, and they want to know um, what they need to do. So I think oftentimes the arborist can provide the best value before something negatively has happened to the tree, like a large limb failure or a significant disease has started and so on. So calling us sooner rather than later can really help uh, the longevity and the outcome um, for their trees. As I often say on this program, uh, the right plant in the right place and a lot of tree problems uh, pop up because the tree wasn't put in the right place or it was the wrong tree for that location. Uh, and it, we've seen this happen. It, it's uh, it, Trees have an interesting history here in uh, the Central Valley and in the Bay Area as far as popularity goes. It seems like every generation has been subject to the perfect tree. So back in the 50s and 60s, it was the Modesto ash, for example, which turned out to end up having a lot of problems. And we've seen that repeated with other tree varieties, and I'm sure it happens across the country as well, where a species gets overpopulated and and problems develop. And it's, again, right plant in the right place. Absolutely. I think that is probably... Um where we see, I guess, some of the most common problems where really the wrong species was was planted in the um, in the wrong location, and the future growth, the, the size, structure, maintenance, and so forth was really not properly considered, whether that's because it's too close to a house foundation or it's too close to hardscape like walkways, patios, and, and decks, or it's near an arbor or um, there's some other structure that's partially above it, you know, impinging on the, cra- uh, on the crown. But right tree in the right location is, um, is paramount. And so I would encourage all your listeners to really do their homework and because and trees are a big, a big element and rather permanent in the landscape to really do their homework before planting trees to make sure that you have a right species that's not not only going to look good when you plant it and in the first few years, but then stand the test of time and increase in value and attractiveness over a long period of time. And I know on your show in the past, you recommended different resources. And one of those is the uh, Cal Poly um, Select a Tree website, which has very good objective information on the tree with photographs. It is an excellent website that lists the pros and cons of just about every tree uh, grown, I think. And uh, it, it's a great resource to uh, to use if you want to find out more about a particular tree you're interested in. Just do an Internet search for uh, Cal Poly Select Tree, and that site will come up. And uh, it's it's very good information that you can find there. Absolutely. I'd say another one, which I know you've also mentioned, which is a stellar site, is um, the University of California Cooperative Extension, their integrated pest management website, because there people can also um, search individual trees and get a feel for the kinds of uh, issues that they may have, whether they're a, a living thing or a biotic issue, whether it's a, a pest or a, or a disease, or if it's an abiotic dis- disorder uh, caused by a soil issue, water issue, or, or nutritional issue. And that site has some um, also some excellent information that can help individuals ferret out, um, you know, problem trees to 
perhaps not include in their thought process for um, you know installing them in their on their property. Oh, yes, indeed. There's a lot of good information provided by the University of California Ag and Natural Resources. And if you want to do a specific search, uh, use your favorite Internet search tool and uh, put in the name of the tree, followed by the letters U-C-A-N-R. So name the tree, then U-C-A-N-R, and up will pop probably the IPM page that you're talking about for that particular tree. And you'll be amazed at the number of things that can go wrong with trees. At times, it seems like um, it can be a you know a, an endless amount of uh, you know disorders or, or or pest problems. But I often find that you know if you have if you have the right tree in the right location for the right your right microclimate and it's maintained properly, that oftentimes just by by starting off with you know the right tree and then applying good cultural requirements for that tree during its life. That alone tends to lessen um, the uh, the type of problems that you can uh, you know expect to have with that tree. I bet one area where you get a lot of calls on when you uh, make house calls are plants that were put in trees or large shrubs that were intended to be a privacy screen. And over the years, a lot of inappropriate trees have been recommended for privacy screens. I'm looking at you, Coast Redwood, and people plant them too close to a fence usually and because they're trying to protect their property from the view from the two-story house next door. But people, I think, tend to forget one basic rule of line of sight, and that is the closer you plant that screening plant near the area that you want to keep private, the quicker you're going to get privacy. In other words, don't put these privacy screens at the very edge of your property. Put them in towards that hot tub or that swimming pool, obviously not impinging upon possible root damage, but close enough where you can get some degree of privacy a lot quicker than if you had planted it in the back 40. I think that's absolutely um, right, Fred, because when when privacy screens are installed at the fence line or the property line, oftentimes uh, those can be one and the same <clears throat> that, you know, as those as that plant material begins to uh, mature, there becomes an increasing amount of burden uh, on the property owner to maintain um, to maintain this screen and and to do so without perhaps, you know, interrupting the neighbor and dropping, uh, having their their maintenance company uh, drop, um, you know, branches and leaves in the neighbor's yard to where they'll have to um, to pick those up, or just if the neighbor doesn't want to have those branches over uh, into their their space, it creates you know an ongoing issue, and then sometimes that can foster you know a stronger level of disagreement between the two parties. So offsetting and bringing the the plant material in, regardless of what it is, to an appropriate um, offset from the property line is very beneficial and it will be better, uh, better growing environment for the screen as well. I was part of the tree advisory committee with the Sacramento Tree Foundation for a number of years, and it seems we spent a lot of meetings trying to find that perfect privacy screen tree, a fast-growing, narrow, tall tree. And 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 let's face it. I mean, uh, the people who uh, hybridize trees are getting better and better at finding narrow, tall growing, fast growing trees. 
but uh, people complicate matters when they plant too many of them too close together, thinking they're going to get a screen a lot quicker when in reality, you're just uh, shortening the life of those trees because you've cramped them too much. That's correct. You know, if, if the plant material is is installed on a really aggressive, tight, on-center spacing, why that may give you um, more of an um, initial presence and an initial screen uh, in the first few years of growth and begin to satisfy whatever the, the, the screening issue, you know, is at hand. Uh, long term, it creates more um, more stress on the trees as they compete for for sun, uh, water, soil, nutrients, and and so forth, as well as future maintenance activities. So, I always encourage clients to make sure that the the spacing is a a reasonable on center spacing, a balance between we want to have a, a good a good screen that's gonna that's gonna last a long time but not so close that eventually it's going to add to excessive competition and then maybe begin to adversely affect the health of that screen just when it's really providing its full value. For the consumer, make sure that when you're evaluating tree companies, you really do a good job of, um, of vetting them and understand what their reputation is like. I would encourage them to go and see some of their work that, um, that they have performed and I always tell clients that when you have a a really good professional crew prune, whether it's your oak tree or your, um, your London plane or an elm, that the, one of the marks of a good tree company is that the non-professional probably won't notice that the tree was pruned. There you go. That's very true. Michael Santos, consulting arborist in the San Francisco Bay Area, also with... The American Society of Consulting Arborists. If you need to find a consulting arborist near where you live, visit ASCA, then a dash, consultants.org, ASCA-consultants.org, and click on the tab that says, find a consulting arborist. Well, there's the barking dogs indicating we have to wrap this up. Michael Santos, thank you so much for a few minutes of your time explaining what a consulting arborist is. Thank you, Fred. Uh, it was my pleasure.